poverty porn. I'll write some poverty porn. <laughs> I was singing that. Like, after the first couple of watches, I just kept singing. Like, I would just, like, be randomly in my house cleaning, kind of singing that. I don't know. Like, that just... When she was kind of, like, walking down the street casually, like, kind of singing that to herself. Because she had a good um, recording session. I just started doing it. I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't know if this movie has inspired that in you as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what song I keep think- singing? White man. <laughs> <laughs> With a black man's butt. Is it butt or ass? I can't remember which one It's butt. Right, right. Oh, God. When she sees, and then she sees two in one day. Oh, my God. So good. So, so good. We are really melanated, and we are talking about a movie that clearly we are both obsessed with for the end of the year of the show. The probably one of the best films of the year to come out, which is the 40-year-old version. Carolyn, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling giddy because of this film. So (laughs) I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, this uh, particular film is... Like I'll just I'll just put it on at night if I don't feel like watching anything else and I just want to like, you know, zone out and like feel extra black and extra good about blackness and black art and black films at night. And I don't yeah, when I don't feel like watching anything else, I will put on the four year old version. This is this is a and I and I love that the director Rada Blank has said that people have like come up to her and said like this, you know, and during this pandemic and quarantine, this movie has really given me, given me life in a sense. And I feel like, and that's really accurate for me too. The 40 year old version, which is not, it's not Virgin, like the Judd Apatow movie, but that movie, um, she does, she did appropriate that name and the running time actually of the 40 year old Virgin. Um, because I, 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 yeah, she did. I think that's because, for her, it's just like, you no, know, we can tell, we can, we're, we can tell movie we can tell stories, I'm sorry, like that too. Like, we're just as awkward and, and, and funny in that kind of way. We have that similar tone as black people. And I think that's what, you know, again, kind of ex- expanding the narrative of what can be told in the film, which of course I think is one of the, I think it's kind of the beating heart of this film, especially with Rada as a playwright. As a, as, a, as a frustrated playwright, in a sense. So let's get, like, let's, let's introduce the characters and, and what this movie is about and everything like that. Um, I did not create my own um, summary. I'm terrible at summaries because I'll just ramble on way too long. So I'm going to use IMDb again and say that Rada um, also, so it's written, written and directed by Rada Blank, who also plays herself in the film, a, a version of herself. It's semi autobiographical, I believe. So uh, Rada is a down-on-her-luck New York playwright who is desperate for a breakthrough before 40. Reinventing herself as rapper Rada Miss Prime, she she vacillates, see, I can't pronounce words. She, it's not, she vacillates. Oh my God, yes. She vacillates between the worlds of hip-hop and theater in order to find her true voice. Um, I'm I'm an academic, y'all, and I can't pronounce words sometimes, so forgive me. So this movie, of course, um, stars Rada Blank as Rada, Peter Kim as Archie, Oswin Benjamin as Dee, Imani Lewis as Elaine, Haskari Velasquez. See, I can't, see, again, 
So I'm pretty sure it's Haskari. How do you say Velasquez? Is it Velasquez? Velasquez, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me, my Latinx brothers and sisters. Um, but Haskari plays Rosa. Antonio Ortiz plays Waldo. TJ Adams plays Kamal. Reed Bernie plays Jay Whitman. Jacob Ming Trent plays Lamont. Welker White plays Julie. Stacy Sargent plays Stacy. I think that's the actual. I think her and Stacy are actually really friend, real actual friends in real life. Uh, William Oliver Watkins plays Marcus. Megan O'Neill plays Jamie. Andre Ward plays Forrest. Oh, that guy. Uh, and Jackie Adam plays Snazzy. So, um, so basically, yeah. I'll just I'll just run I'll just run it down. I want to kind of start from the beginning. There's so much to dissect, and I don't want to take up too much time, but I also really want to get deep into this because there's so much that I think you and me can relate to in this film, and mm-hmm. uh, just the film in general just being hilarious and really hit it, hit it, just hitting every storytelling. Uh, beat on the nail so it opens up in harlem she's in her apartment i believe that is rada's actual real apartment and it's funny because i haven't well no i you know that's not true i have been at the point in my life i'm i just turned 38 so i'm close to that 40 um i know carolyn you are past 40 but i will not i will let you reveal the age if you want your age (laughs) i'm 50 and i can kick and stretch yeah, so I, I that that she's tossing and turning in her bed. It's, it opens up with Rada. Of course, it's her story, <laughs> and um, so I have had neighbors who have had very loud sex. Carolyn, have you? <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yes. So I, it's it's just funny. Like I love how much Rada is kind of into it like she I don't I, I she's trying to get that vicarious thrill and I don't know man I it, it it could happen I mean I think when I've when the walls have been thin in my apartment building I've just been kind of just it's been kind of like oh gross because I honestly yeah I, I'm you know for me I'm just kind of just like I, I mean I've heard beds moving I've heard like basically the whole building shaking that's how much and I'm just yeah. like uh God, yeah, it's, it's just not something I'm into. Well, it's just they, they're saying, oh, God, too, but in a different uh, oh. context. <laughs> but it's funny, so, because Rada's having a moment with this, and I, it's funny because she's, you know, I don't know, she's she, she's sleeping alone. We don't, we don't necessarily assume she's single, but that thirst for needing to hear... <laughs> the happenings going on in the apartment beside her was it was kind of funny and it was also kind of funny that it all ended with a whimper from i assume the man starts whimpering and crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's just so it, automatically we're kind of getting into like the the lightness of the of of the um of the movie and again it's just it's it's very I like the realness of it. It's very, it's, it's mundane. Again, it's what we've kind of like been like, kind of like yelling, blowing hot air about for like the past six months. It's just like seeing black people just be regular. Um, you know, seeing her 
at her desk with her 30 under 30 playwrights award like she's at like her desk or a dresser or a dresser i'm not sure but also the picture of her and her mother like again it's like i think we've both seen this movie multiple times so we're catching up on the like the my the minute details that we may have missed the first time um i love yeah it's 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 interesting like i love that because that's kind of real like i have a similar setup in my own home i basically Mm -hmm. um when i i what i like to have as kind of my like zoom background so most most of the time is I have my poster of Har Noir that I was given, and also mm-hmm. the pictures. There's a picture of my mother on the, on the corner of it, because it's kind of like it, it's like the my my Zoom background. The way the things are set up in my apartment are very intentional. It's just like mm-hmm. she's like you know, I you know I was a part of making this thing, and it wouldn't be if not for her. So you're gonna always see her mm-hmm. behind me because she's always been there. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's kind of that. Yeah. that kind of spiritual aspect to it and i think that's how it felt with rada and um seeing the picture of her her mother with next to that award mm-hmm. it i think we're gonna get more into it but I, I i love what really touches me is that like her relationship with her mother mirrors mine very much very very mm-hmm. much um so I, I think that's just really cool i i, I like that's, that's that's how it kind of starts. We we kind of start with a, a night in the life, essentially, an evening in the life of this woman, um, watching TV, the Gutbusters. Is it Gutbusters? I always say Gut. Is it Gutbusters from Awkward Black Girl? Like I, I'm I'm mixing my references, but like she like this weight loss thing, and then the hip hop song. So all the stuff kind of comes together. But oh, I'm sorry. I did want to ask you if you have if like. Like as far as like your 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 um your homages to your parents, like what ha, do do you have anything in your home that kind of like reminds you of one of your parents? Well, yeah, I have a lot of things up, and actually, um, my father was an artist as well. So, um, I'll get into that maybe a little bit later when we're talking about that. But I have like we have his art, um, we have like. I have pictures of my parents. I have like little things around that kind of remind me of them. I have, I'm sitting here in my, um, I have like my uh, Zoom nook, <laughs> if you will, uh, in my bedroom. And my dad was, he was a bit of a character. So I have his um, blue bongos here <laughs> on my little desk with some lamps on it. So yeah, I have like little kind of mementos all over of my parents. Yeah, it took me a long time to kind of get to that point where I could put them out. Yeah. But yeah, I do have, yeah. Yeah, I jumped into that pretty immediately. Um, I think for me, there were some things that were like that were like hers that I couldn't, that I started like gradually kind of purging. I'm just like, no, I, some things like I, I, I need to let go or can let go because I need to start new and start fresh. But like pictures, I, I always, I'm a visual person. I, I love photography very much. I used to dabble in it a little bit. I really am desperate to get back into it. Like I really want to make that a, a new hobby of mine um, again. And so pictures of her, I, I love having around, um, especially the back in the day ones, obviously, because I'm a sucker for nostalgia and um you know everything is like oh i remember when mom was alive and this this that and that happened even like this recent like snowstorm we had on the east coast it's just like i remember when i because i because i went out to the store today and i was seeing kids come out with like their sleds and stuff they're they're ready to play and i was just like i I remember doing that and again i was like that's when mom was alive she was like you better just come back in the house before it gets dark i'm like all right 
Ah, yeah. Let's go out for six hours. Yeah. Eight hours, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is so, this film, that's kind of the through line with um, this film is that, like, her relationship with her mother and her grieving her mother's death and all of this, all of the new, all of the new and exciting things that she's doing as her mother is not really here with her. It's going to, that's kind of, that's the, it's a, it's a really big part of this film. Um, but also, if you're a hip hop head, this is the perfect. You're gonna you're gonna love it, especially if you're a new. If you have a, if you have a if you have a love for New York hip hop, and what it's done for it. Um, the use of the use of hip hop instrumentals in this film is that's fun too. Like that, I mean, that really got me into it. Like when you when the when the um when the credits are rolling, in the beginning or the title or the opening credits. Yeah, they're called opening credits. Um, woo chow, my terminology, but. Yeah, like when that when that starts, you hear a tribe called Quest's electric relaxation, electric relaxation, electric relaxation, um, and I was just like, yes, that's yeah, which yeah, it's like it's just like one of my favorite songs from the '90s, like one of my favorites. Yes. So I'm all so you you've already hooked me with that, and um, I do want to shout out um, Tea with Queen and Jay the podcast because. I it took me because I'm because some of the people in the film because there's a lot of also there's a lot of um rapper cameos and some of the people I'm looking at them I'm just like I, I know that person but I don't know exactly who that is so the bus driver when she gets on the bus when she's almost late for work the bus driver is I believe Styles P from the Locks and who and for those who don't know the Locks was um a trio um rap group um who was a bad boy Diddy and all those people in the 90s and um because I was like I know that I know that I know that voice and I know that face because you know I'm black girl in the 90s and I also but I also loved hip-hop so I'm like I know this guy because I listen to his music so I'm like okay that's that's Styles P and then Sadat X um from Brand Nubian another um 90s rap group he played the Muslim man on the train with the oils that's okay yes sorry yeah, yeah now right. I'm like duh <laughs> I'm like I, I'm like I know I know him too and yep. then um Okay. Also, Young M.A. plays uh, mm-hmm. the actor on stage at Umoja Theater in the film as well. So, so Young M.A. is one of those one of the new folks though yeah. who's out there being a being a rapper and an artist. But yeah, she's 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 not like so. Dot X is like your generation. Styles P is my generation. Young M.A. is for the Gen Zers more or less. So and the younger millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even the, with the opening, it's like it, it already kind of brings you in, and the trials and tribulations of it's just a, it's from all accounts, it's a very New York City film. No, it's and it's it's beautiful too, eh? It's a beautiful. Yeah, film. absolutely. Um, she wanted to do it in black and white, uh, Rada specifically, and um, she because yeah, because I because I because I remember listening to like New Yorkers talk about this film, and they talk about like the, the whole even the whole thing with like letting um people who are disabled on the bus, like that's how it's done, and you are kind of looked down upon if you do what you know Rada did in the, in the movie. That's like that that actually really happens. But like she's like she's late for work, especially. And I don't think she's late for work now. You and I have both been in situations where we've had some ancient jobs. So yeah, you're dragging your feet to get there because you don't want to be there, and that's not necessarily the case for her. But Rada is also a person who wants more. Like she, like she, like she's teaching dramatic writing to high school students in Harlem. 
but she also but she wants to be a playwright that's what she ultimately wants to that's how she wants to pay her bills solely so i think because because i don't know how do you feel about okay so this is of course i think i can't not talk about every scene being my favorite scene but like i love the opening where you first meet the kids so um I guess I want to know, like, what you think, like, how, how, like, the the first impression of like her interacting with the kids, and this, of course, this is this is being her day job. Like, how did you feel about it? Well, you know, it it she just seems so distant. I guess mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of hard to describe, but she kind of seems like throughout most of the film, she's kind of outside of herself. Um, where and she's only kind of she doesn't only, only becomes herself when she starts rapping. So um, I just found it really interesting where she, you know, she really holds back um, with the, uh, is, what's her, is her name Elaine? Yes. The, the, the student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, uh, okay. You know, and it, it, I think um, somebody who is really present would be like, okay, you know, they might ask the, the student, okay, why did you come up with this poem? Um, did you feel it was inappropriate? There's like a few things she could have asked her, right? But she just kind of lets it go. And, you know, from that moment, you're like, okay, she's not really present in this job. It, she genuinely looks like she likes the kids. Yes. Like these kids are hilarious. Mm-hmm. They're hilarious. Um, and they're their own person and they're really unique. And you kind of catch that from this opening scene here in her class. But she just kind of seems disconnected from them and that kind of gave me a sense of who of how she was moving in the world and I think that's what struck me the most in that classroom because she doesn't want to be there you know even though the kids are she likes the kids and you know she's she's not really invested in them which kind of but they're invested in her yes you know they think she's like the shit she they think she's really cool and yeah I don't know and she's you know one um, a female student is kind of, you know, a- in love with her. <laughs> just ridiculous, but yeah, it's so funny. This girl and her, her, um, her, her moves. <laughs> it's like that's your teacher, kid. But yeah, I just, yeah, she's not really present. That's a really awesome point. I yeah, I think you're right about that. Like I, like I, because I think because my my thing was always well, she likes the kids, but you have a really good point because, you know, that's. You know, this is a real life scenario for working artists. Of course, Rada had did that too. She um she taught uh, high school age students to supplement her income, but that's real because your your heart is always going to be with what you what you love and what you want to do. And it's interesting because Rada, it's not that she doesn't love playwriting and she loves it, but yeah, I think hip hop became was also a a part of who she was. And yeah, there was a dis there was a disconnect there with the, with the, with the kids, especially. Yeah. I, it's cause I, it took me a couple of um, view views to see that when Avery comes up to her, one of the students named Avery, his real name is Ashley Bryan. He spells his name like me. Um, he, when he's hitting on her too, he was just like, you know, he said he was like Elaine would have, um, Elaine would have tripped if you just complimented on her stupid poem or he says something like that. But then like, the, she's like, yeah, that's true. Like she had to think about that. Like, you're right. She's not present with them. Like, cause yeah, you can't just, if she's, if, if Elaine, cause if Elaine is kind of like bearing her soul to it, to us, to an extent with that poem, you kind of have to address it. You kind of have to like, you know, it, yeah, but also later, a little bit later on when Rada tells her, I'm like, you can't expect people to always 
embrace your work either. It's it's a it's a it's kind of a two way street. You know what I'm saying? But that mm-hmm. and but you're but I, you're absolutely right. She um she wasn't present. I think because she she was so kind of searching for who she was, which is kind of what the uh, synopsis kind of says. And yeah, she's a playwright, but also there's this other part of her which is hip hop and being a being a rapper. Um, so. I agree. And yeah, I mean, the kids are hilarious. And those, you know, I've, I've worked with kids like that, too. I've worked with high school kids. Same, same thing. I've worked with Elaine's, too. Um, and it's funny, because when Rada would talk, would talk, or would do interviews about um, that, she was like, yeah, I mean, all these kids are loosely based, like she said, they're an amalgam of the kids that she used to teach, where like, you have the like, usually the black girls who come in, who's like, what we doing? This is stupid. And then she and then like, you know, the last week of um the last week of the program they're like oh so you leaving it's over like i've had that too like i've had kids look at me crazy when i would come in that last day they won't let me go they literally are hugging me and won't let me go so i've had like i've i've been through that too <laughs> similar um cuz you're just i think you're just your presence and just like the ability to like be in a space where they could be artistically kind of express themselves and not feel restrained by anything um, I think really like it makes them feel good. If you're if you're the facilitator of that, you know, I think that's a big part of it. So and yeah, I mean, the kids are funny. The like, yeah, um, I believe so. I like how I'm trying to get their names. Um, so Kamal and what's his name? Kamal and Waldo. How? Because they're the they're the they're the two like best friends types, and then. So yeah, because Rosa gets in a fight with Elaine. Yes, and they do what, and they do what guys do. They're recording it. They're recording the fight, and Waldo's Papa City, oh, Papa City, like I, oh god, it's just like teenage boys <laughs> are a whole other breed of something. And Unbelievable. Yeah, so that's because Rosa kind of like tries to put Elaine in her place. She's like, you're being disrespectful. Um, and it's not, and that's not cool. Elaine was, cause Elaine kind of calls her out. Like she says, you haven't done anything with your career for 10 years. Your new, your new play is a workshop. It's not even regional. Like she's just being really nasty, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then the kids, the kids record the fight and then Avery is being Don Juan. And then she, <laughs> so it's kind of out of control. It's out of control, right? It's, like she just completely lost control of these kids, yeah. which is normal. That happens. Um, yeah, completely. Yeah, she can. She can lost. She lost control. But you know, that's that's kind of a day in the life. I think of sometimes when high, when you could actually like go to school. You know, yeah. but like it's funny because because like she like it's an inappropriate line, but it's really funny. When she's on the when she's um leaving a voice message for Archie and she's just like she's I'm either gonna kill or fuck one of these kids. <laughs> oh my god! Well, like Avery is like, oh, what is I'm gonna be twenty or something or yes! twenty one, and he's like, roll up on her. I'm like, oh my god, these kids. Oh god, I'm telling you, man. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. They, they, they. He, he has a whole, he has a whole mess. A whole mess. Yeah, but moving forward, like I'm sorry, we're we're dissecting this film, y'all. Just you strap in because this is this film is too good. And P- Carolyn, jump in at any time, please, because okay. I, I this film is just amazing. 
But so that whole workshop play that she's supposed to be developing is with Umoja, the Umoja Theater, right? So it's all it's all black, all black all the time, Afrocentric out. Like Forrest, the playwright and the theater manager owner, is basically all of my older black studies professors at Temple. Like that, literally, this is the guy. That's he's all of them in one. And God, so like the the incense, the the art, the what was one of the plays called Hey Whitey or something. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Oh my god, how could you handle that? I just like oh. it's a whole lot. I mean, whatever. Yeah. So he's super intense. It's almost I almost asked the question. I asked the question: Is Rada talkative, or is everyone else just socially ungraceful, <laughs> for lack of a better term? Like I can't, I can't decide. It's just really weird. She, well, I think she talks to fill that void. You know how when you're kind of she's so awkward. That's what I love mm-hmm. about um, the the Rada and the movie. Hurt this movie version of Rada. She's so awkward and like she's trying to talk to kind of kind of quell that awkwardness awkwardness in her. I can't even talk now. <laughs> awkwardness in her, and she's just making it worse and. People are looking at her like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I loved about her. Oh my God, it was so good. Like, you just see her struggle trying to, like, connect and trying to, you know, hope things go okay. And, yeah, I just, I love that about her. And I think she's just trying to talk to fill that void because she feels awkward and she doesn't feel confident, you know? Yes. Because he's because Forrest is sitting there because they're at the they're they're sitting um they're in Forrest's office and he's so unnecessarily intense. That's the thing. It's just like you know, you can it, we we're family in the room. You can tone down the blackness. I mean, not and I say that in a joking way, yeah. but he's just looking at her like, yeah, you're right. Like she's just she's trying to fill that void, and then like she's just like you know, so hey, can I get some bread for this? Like. For the, for the um for this play I'm doing because I have bills and he does that thing where you know you got you got you have your um you have you have your uh you have you have your you have your uh oh my gosh I can't I can't I cannot find words tonight forgive me like this it's a mantle he has his um I just heard the word. Oh he's, yes, the altar. Altar. Oh my God. Altar, right? Thank you. Yes. So he has his altar, and he's talking about the ancestors. Wait a minute. Hold on. The ancestors. Uh, uh something about the spirit of cause versus commerce. And I, I have a question for you. Like, wh- like, all, all jokes aside, like honestly, the mm-hmm. the two have to meet somewhere. You know. Of course. Because you get like, but he—he's all like, you know. Well, no, it's funny because he's like, oh, you know, well, you know, we have to keep the Afrocentric, and then he's not really helping her, giving her uh, a helping hand. Yet he goes—he goes to the play that she finally has produced, and he's just kind of harumphing in the seat. It's like, well, you well could have helped her, you know. I'll- it's like. Anyway, yeah, no, I don't know. What do you think of that? But no, I was going. I was holding on to that because 
I'm sorry, but Forrest, everyone who knows me knows. I first of all, I loved that she interplayed his reaction to the to the play in the in in that yes. in that sequence because Forrest is me. Like I was cracking up laughing <laughs> because those reactions were so real. Like honestly, like you like if we're really like looking at the film as a whole and dissecting what the play unfortunately becomes like yeah like that's totally how you would react to how this film has turned what this film has what this, i'm sorry what this play has turned into like like Horace is me i'm sitting there with the fan and rolling my eyes and doing all of that too and so i think no i i don't think it's i don't think it was that with him necessarily maybe i mean because like she she like unfortunately like she had to move forward because she really wanted she wanted more visibility and she also wanted that check. Mm. And I, I yeah. and I think we all kind of understand that. Like Rada has talked like you know hearing her in other interviews talking about you know being a struggling artist but also when she got to write for television television series it you know for all the crap you go through it does feel good to get that really meaty check at the end of the week to have benefits like that feels good when you're a struggling artist and then you get that you get that gig that's pretty lucrative and if you feel secure even if it's temporary it's it's still nice and so i think forrest was probably reacting to like he's probably he probably read the original play yeah. He obviously he believed in it enough to workshop it at his theater. Yes. So to see what it so 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 to see what it has become. It's all a, it's all a part of like so Rada obviously was writing from experience and also I think what I was when I was when I would listen to other people on podcasts talk about it their reactions to this film, they would either do a whole review or a mini review. A lot of those people were in the theater world or who live in New York as artists and they're just like yo that's exactly how it is with these white folks like so you know it's that and it's, it's unfortunate so i think yeah i, I kind of think forrest was kind of reacting to like dad they made this they made her do all they it's like not that they made her do but i think it kind of i, I it just it, it it was probably very predictable and I think he was just. I think he was. Yeah. Pro- I think there was this mix, this mix of frustration and disappointment that something that he felt was good enough or better than good enough turns into this for what you know. And I th- think that's the question. Well, yeah, but he was. I I don't know. He was still stalling. I don't know if he wanted her to work on it more or I don't know though. Like, I mean, also too there was um, uh, I'll I'll throw the link in because. I'm part of the African-American Film Critics Association, and I missed this interview, but they were able to do um, a roundtable Zoom interview with her. And they were talking about um, compromising what, you know, your original kind of your uh, like original play or your original idea and, and how basically it gets compromised or I think the one of the interviewers was like um, selling out and like, I think that that's a real thing. Like it's, you know, you have to make that decision whether you want to eat or you want to keep your, you know, this kind of um, this purity about your, your, your script or your art or, you know, what have you. Um, And sometimes you just have to see what happens because maybe, you know, on the other side of things, maybe someone will understand your art 
but it's just it's it's a really it's a gamble it's a really hard thing yeah exactly i think it i mean when she does because archie is like her her agent and her best friend they've been friends since they were kids and he's one of his he's one of her biggest cheerleaders so you know he's probably read the read the play too believes in her um for a little context her so her play is called harlem ave and it's about a black uh business owner he inherits his mom and dad's uh grocery store corner store and um he's i think it's, it's basically he's trying to figure out like what to not necessarily what to do with it but he's he's grappling you know the the ups and downs of like have of managing your own business in a gentrifying borough and, and a slowly gentrifying borough with his black wife who happens to be an activist so that's her original concept and idea and kind of like i think it's, it's the dynamic that they're, that they're that they're dealing with um and that's kind of the pitch and the details that we kind of get from rada when you know she is when archie tells her you know you need to come to this party and talk to these producers and see if we can get somebody to bite for harlem f and, you know, she's kind of just sitting, she's kind of sitting around and she's rejecting ribs that she really wants. Um, <laughs> and Archie is just like, you know, you need to get in there and mingle. And she was just like, and drown in a sea of white, old white women. And, <laughs> you know, cause that's who's there. It's just like, it's a bunch, it's a bunch of old white folks who are kind of just talking about, I just invested and the latest interracial rendition of so-and-so and they're all excited and stuff and you're just kind of like and you know you're kind of cringing inside if you have any sense about you with all of this going on it's just like there's these like these vultures that are just looking to like pick and peck and and take from you know people of color artists and make their own thing that's more appealing to them and what they think of people of color you know native black asian you know you can you can pick your pick right um and they're so proud of themselves when they go see these productions i just went to see an all black you know shakespeare uh production of blah 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 and it's like (laughs) exactly doing something good for the cause right oh that's great Yeah, but anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, we're having a conversation. This is, uh, this is, <laughs> folks, we're having a conversation. Um, but but this was this movie was my pick. But no, this is this is all this is all a conversation. But basically, you know, um, what I love about this particular scene because you know, of course, we have to talk about the choking, right? So, <laughs> so sorry, every time. It's the, everything you say was killing me. I'm sorry. Okay, go on. Yeah, because no, no, no. It's the best thing, right? It's like, because what I, what I think one of the one of the pointers that she got that Rada had gotten is um, the real Rada is you know write your frustrations into your work, and she did because that was a fantasy sequence, y'all. I don't think that's not something that you should ever do, but we've all thought about it. Like people who have been in these spaces, and I've been in similar spaces, not exactly that space to the letter, but I've been there. You, you, you know, Carolyn, I've been there recently. We're not going to talk about what and who and who now, but man, oh man, have I been angry like that? And so, you know, Rada is talking to Jay Whitman, who I mentioned is played by, um, get this name again. He played by uh, Reed Burney. Let me see. Reed Burney. Who is Reed Burney? Let's look up Reed Burney really quickly. 
So he's so familiar to me. Yeah. Um, he's been in House of Cards, The Blacklist. Um, yeah, he's that's where I've seen him from. House yeah, of Cards. Yeah, he's been in. Um, yeah. He did, oh, he did a couple episodes of The Americans, one of my favorite television shows. Uh, he was in The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Uh, he's been on. Let's see, girls. He's done Blue Bloods. He's uh. Yeah, he's he's but he's just a character actor. He's done a lot of television, but basically, um, also he, I think he's New York based right now. I think a lot of I think almost all of the actors in this film are based in New York City. So um, yeah, he he's that. I, I'm assuming he is that very real but very stereotypical uh, older white male uh, theater producer. Like he's in the, he's in the New York theater world. He knows everything right he has that arrogance about him so and he's like rada hi and it, it's, it's the inflection of the way he says things because he's like i heard you were teaching like it's like like it's such a bad thing to be teaching like like you know what i mean like a, like it's, it's beneath him to be to talk to someone who's a teacher like that's kind of i maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's kind of how i felt about it and she's being as, as polite as she can be and then of course, the the kicker, w- which I put this in my notes, but let me say this now. I really wish we weren't in a pandemic because I would have loved to have seen this film at Black Star because when he says, when she's talking about Harlem Ave to him and then he's talking about he's, his critiques of it and then he says, I mean, I find, my, I find myself asking, did a black person really write this? Oh, I would have loved to have heard that. The reaction of black people in a, the- in a, in a theater. I would have, oh my God. That would have been the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> because every time I hear him say that, I'm just like, I cannot believe this mother. Every time. Every single time. And so, <laughs> so, um, you know, but he's just like, you know, you know, your play needs work, but I'm still... I need a I need a writer for my Harriet Tubman musical or something like that, and then that's when she just loses it. Like she goes, she she goes, that's nice, <laughs> yeah. Like she has that moment, and then she just goes, no, I can't, I I I, I can't let this pass. I have to get gutter because I no, I can't do it. And then you know everyone looks around. Like it's funny because it's a, it's one of those quick cuts. Like you see her arms going towards his neck, and then you see Archie's reaction. <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's, and then she has that moment in her, she, and it's funny because this is actually a touching moment to me. She has that moment in her apartment where she's, where she buys, she buys some ribs and she's like kind of crying alone in her apartment. Like, and I, and I, it's, it's, she's frustrated, right? You know, she keeps hitting these kind of walls where, oh, black playwrights are the hottest thing in the world, but they're not allowed to like tell their stories the way they know they should be telling these stories. Like, you know. Like these these white gatekeepers or these or these these this this theater crowd these these theater gatekeepers this crowd thinks that they know what's best, like they they think they know who the audience the audience is and it they they are stopping these you know playwrights like Rada to do what they want to do and she's having that moment I mean, yeah yeah well and going back to him asking oh did a black playwright really write this. It's like, well, who are you to say what is black? Like, you don't, 
you're not the person you're not the um person that doles out characteristics it's 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 that as you're saying like that um one line is so infuriating because you can't be yourself you have to be a version of what they think yes. blackness is you know and and i can totally see her like wanting to choke him out and acting on it because it's it's so hard to like be yourself and be authentic and then you know eventually she does have to rewrite it she has to rewrite the play because it's not what they're it's not and you know it's funny it's it's called 40 year old version because she has to recreate a version of blackness a version of herself mm -hmm. to be accepted until she ends up accept, accepting herself yes you know and and it it's funny because people don't really want her authenticity and it's like well then i'll give you this but then you think this is garbage so what do you want from me you know you you really just have to please yourself i be, i think like that the whole message of this film is just like to you're going to have to please yourself and and putting up that wall and i really love that scene when she's eating the ribs and crying <laughs> it made me laugh but i totally you just see her going god what am i going to do i can't be myself i you know I don't know. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. I I think so. You brought up a really great point because I think what um, what Pete, what the person who really does like her for who she really is is D, because he gets to see it. Like I, I, I like performance anxiety is you know that's a thing, and sometimes you're not really sure about your venturing into something new. When she decides to do um hip hop after that um. She's, when she's crying over her ribs, it's just like, you know, Archie doesn't understand where, um, this new need to now, you know, rhyme or like, you know, make this mixtape or whatever. But, you know, when she eventually, when D eventually gets her, the, the producer who makes the beats, when he, she eventually gets into the, um, behind the mic in his, um, his studio apartment, you know, it took him, it took a few, few watches to see it. But like when she starts rhyming, I don't. I don't. Th I don't know if he's. I don't think he's expecting anything necessarily, but when he hears her, he he lights up. Cause you know he's not. He's not. Mm -hmm. He's a person who's really. He doesn't talk. He's not. He doesn't. He's not um, a verbal communicator. He he communicates really, really through his um through his beats and his um rhymes or whatever. And he's and also he's kind of a person. He doesn't open up very easily. So so that's how he speaks. He speaks through his music. And so when. When she uses one of his beats to bring some life, so she has she has a she has a story, she has a message, she has something she has something to say. He's just like, oh, I, like he he becomes more intrigued, like he wants to work with her because she's she's an, she's an artist, she's an actual mm -hmm. artist. She's not she's not one of these she's not one of these random Negroes that he has in his house who's just kind of just rhyming and just saying things without really saying something, mm -hmm. and so. That's why, and it's funny, I think that's why I kind of love their dynamic is because he's kind of the character that kind of just, he, he nudges, he, he pushes her. Like it's, like you, I think we all kind of need that person in our lives sometimes, sometimes even outside of ourselves, like mm -hmm. to kind of like, you know, when, when we're unconfident and unsure about something, but we've demonstrated that we're, that it's, it's, it brings out, it's, it's, it brings out a light in us. It's something that we're good at. It's something that it's, it's a purpose that we have. 
And so he keeps nudging her and nudging her. He calls her, texts, and, you know, he's like, my nigga, I don't text. Like, he, you know, he, that's, that's how much he's like, I, he wants to do this with her. And so that's why he's upset when she's all like, you know, um, I got to do this play or I'm not sure. That's why he gets so mad. And in the way that D gets mad in the film. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that that version that you're talking about, he sees it first before anyone else does. And then I think that's why their dynamic works. And I think that's why it even grows into a romance. It, it grows very organically, I think. Yeah, it really does. And he's, it's so funny because she's trying to ex- express herself verbally and he's a nonverbal character. And like they, they, they're such opposites that they really work nicely together. And like, I love how he can totally see through her awkwardness and he actually finds it in, in daring and, like he wants to know more about her, you know, and he's he's kind of he cuts through all of that. He's like, you know, are you coming in or what? Are you going to, you know, do you want some of my beats? Are you going to come in and lay down some tracks? And she's like, oh, really? You know, like she's oh, God, she kind of I really relate to her because she's so unsure of herself. And like when you have such a traumatic experience happen to you, um, losing a loved one it's like it's the grounds pulled out from under you and you you're just unsure about everything mm-hmm. i mean death is inevitable it's, it's inevitable but you and it's unexpected and but when it happens you're just floating in space and you you lose your footing and you express your grief in so many different ways and for me it was um anxiety and awkwardness and so i so relate to her like trying to fill in awkward silences with like oh my god i like that i like cats i like cats or like you know just making some (laughs) stupid shit up and like (laughs) making more of a fool out of yourself but like he totally sees through that and i think that's what i love about those two and that they're so different but they complement each other i just i love that whole thing yeah yeah, they, they share that, um, they have that camaraderie, or they share that, like, you know, having the loss of their mother and having that being that affecting them both. It's like when she, when he hears her and he invites her to the showcase, and right before the showcase, she brings the picture of her and her mother, and, you know, he goes, well, why didn't you, you know, she come in? And she's like, well, in spirit, and he's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, don't you get sick of adding people to the Dead Moms Club? And, you know, he was, you know, he kind of he has that, like, oh, I'm my bad, I'm sorry. Like, you know, before that, like, he really yeah. does feel like, you know, he, he, he empathizes. That line got me, yeah. Because when, when you are dealing with loss like that, empathy, I'm going to just say it, empathy is stronger than sympathy. Yeah. Because you're not, you, honestly, you don't really want to hear from anyone who hasn't gone through this. Mm-hmm. You just don't. I think the you, for you, it was anxiety. For me, it was anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it was anger. Um, and I lost my train of thought, but we're gonna keep it moving. Um, but yeah, because again, like we said, like this is a this is a really big theme that runs throughout this film. But like, so like, also, I just want to give a shout out to the one liners in this film. Again, this film is really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. after, <laughs> like, after, like, the whole choking incident, Archie's on the phone, I think, with his bae, and he's talking about, you know, Arada is very Miss Sophia after jail. I was like, 
god so yeah i mean these these very specific references like that's the color purple reference right like like everyone like so me and me and carolyn we um i got carolyn into this podcast called written and raven with yamanika and friends and yamanika always this she's a yamanika saunders is also a really great comedian you should check her out um she she's so funny and she always talks about how she loves she she's she talks about oprah every now and then and basically the color also they talked about the color purple so one episode they're talking about it's like two white comedians um on, on as a guest on the show and her other co-host is on the show too who's also a black female comedian named chloe hilliard and so they're talking about like the whole the whole idea of like how, like you got like white folks don't like really know a whole lot about like black cultural references like we know both white and black it's just kind of having a general conversation about it and the one thing that came up was the color purple and uh oprah played miss sophia and it was like in that scene miss sophia after jail it was basically because yamanika told the story about how like you know the one of the white female characters was like yeah i think how yamanika said it's just like um, the white woman went up to um, Oprah's character. She's like, "Do you want to watch? Do you want to watch my babies?" And Oprah was like, "Hell no!" And, and then the woman was like, "Excuse me?" And Oprah was like, "I said hell no." And Yamanika was like, "And I felt that right because you like like bitch." Are you like asking like so? It was like that whole like Yamanika. Yamanika telling it was really really funny, and basically because she. You know, and the, the, the white guy, oh, uh, she's so hilarious. And the white, guy, you're right. And the white guys were like, well, "What was going on?" Like, she because she went to jail, and yeah, and they were like, "No," because she talked back to the white woman. This was a certain time where you couldn't do that, and so she went to j- so Oprah's character had went to jail, and then she had came out, and and so Archie's saying Miss Sophia. <laughs> Of the situation with Rada and Jay Whitman was very similar to the white woman and Miss Sophia in the color purple. <laughs> and so that line, you again, it was one of those things you have to see the color purple to understand what that line yeah. means. And it, that's why that's what made it so funny. He uh, that reference. So I just I just wanted to shout out some of these one liners in the film. Really funny. They're so good. So good. So I wanted to talk about. So throughout, so until we get to the particular scene, we hear the voiceover of, of, of what we assume is her voicemail, and we realize it's her brother kind of leaving her messages kind of throughout, kind of talking about, you know, come pick up your stuff and things like that, or pick not your stuff, but like pick up their mom's stuff and, you know, talking about cleaning up their mom's place. Uh, so Carolyn, I feel like you are much more movie literate than me as far Mm -hmm. as like these kind of like filmmaking techniques and these storytelling techniques like um we both have siblings and um we both have the kind of dynamic of um losing a parent like what was that what was that like for you like is like I guess because what what, what we because what I imagine about Rada is that she's kind of she's avoiding that like the 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 reality of the situation of the things that you do when you lose a loved one and you are one of the people responsible for like getting their stuff in order like what is like what how did you feel about that dynamic and how it kind of came together when we finally meet her brother yeah well it's it was I thought it was really authentic like and I hesitate to say that because everybody experiences grief differently 
Um, and we basically, like with my sisters and I, we basically had to deal with it head on um, because with my mom, we were all living at home. And then with my dad, he um, was at that point living by himself. And my older sister actually took the bull by the horns and she's like, you're going to listen to what we tell you. <laughs> and then when he passed away, um, we just had to, we kind of just went on automatic and had to deal with everything. And I think the way Rada deals with her mother's death, like I really related with that because, you know, she was surrounded by her mother's art. Like my father was an artist too. And I have, a, we have a lot of his art and I have one of his pictures up in my bedroom. Um, but it took me a long time to actually put it up, you know, um, because it's, it's like a part of him. It's a creation of his. So I can see her being really hesitant because she doesn't really, really like her mother is gone physically and she knows that. And she carries this picture around with her of her mother and her. And, but there's this like kind of really cold reality when you have to go through their things and you know, and put things in boxes and give things away. And it's just really mechanical and it's awful. So I can see her wanting to avoid that. So I think that's like, I, you know, her not wanting to talk to her brother and her brother having to deal with it. And I kind of wondered at one point, well, what is he thinking? You know, he's like, he's got to deal with it too. So yeah, the whole thing is just really com complex and painful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely complex. Cause we don't, um, because we, I guess we see her brother at a good moment where he has to, where he understands he has to be the anchor for her because she's been avoiding it all this time. And he's been, he's, he was in my role, basically. Um, mm -hmm. I unfortunately had to do everything. Like, no, like, I, I, I won't get into the dynamics of how frustrating the men in my, in my immediately family, in my immediately, in my immediate family are. But yeah, I mean, I had to kind of pick up those pieces because you know it's I had to do all of the work and what and honestly for me it was a lot easier to go through her things than to deal with the emotional reality of having to deal with what to feel what I was feeling mm -hmm. like that first week like you know moving all of her stuff out and giving it to goodwill and throwing it throwing the stuff that when it needed to go needed to be thrown away thrown away keeping what I wanted and everything like that that was the easy part the easy part you know the easy part was facilitating you know um my niece's mom like you know I know you like to cook you want some of her pots you know and also knowing the pots that had been in my family for generation like hey these older ones I'll keep these but the new the new large stuff you take like all of that little minute things that was easy easier than like than when I had to sit at night alone and like just be like I just this does not feel real so mm -hmm. but yeah I, I agree it's incredibly complex and everyone deals with it very differently it, especially depending on sometimes depending on the pecking order of your family I think for me it really was dependent on the pecking order it was just like no one wanted wanted to take the responsibility for the reality of when someone dies this is what you have to do mm -hmm. um it was kind of I don't know like I had a deeper 
I won't get it. it's it's so complex. It's like uh, this will this is gonna turn into a therapy session. But yeah, yeah I, I I feel you on that. And so and I'm glad. Like I liked the how the music was. She really does. She did a really awesome job. Like using music, there was like a really long drawn out when we talked about how we talked about Sella and the spades where she where the scene where she's actually moving towards going into the kitchen with her mother, how that was really drawn out to show you the mm-hmm. emotional state of how that character was feeling and how she did not want to face her mother. Similar to how Rada did not really want to go to her mother's apartment to um, go through her things and to face that again. And so that's why you see that scene. It starts in her apartment and it's a really it's a really long drawn out sequence where you see her going to the apartment you see her walking you see that you see the people in the neighborhood you hear the music the music was really great with it her, i know her arvada's mm-hmm. real life father was a musician as well um and i think that's mentioned in the film too so um yeah i think i think some of his music was played in the film as well and i thought that was it was you know it's really you can see the influences of um you know filmmakers like spike lee but there's this beautiful softness to the film. Like another thing that really struck me with the film is that my family lived in New York. Um, I was actually born there and I, all I have are like these black and white photos of New York and like my sisters at, you know, um, in, in um, Central Park and going to the zoo there and like all these, these sweet black and white photos and the fact that she that film 40 year old version is in black and white makes me so nostalgic and I know that like there you know she obviously has Spike Lee as an influence um as I think she said Robert Townsend as well as an influence in terms of directing but there's just like when she's walking going to her mother's um apartment and you realize that's where she's going there's this gorgeous softness to just um the point of view i it's it's kind of hard to describe but it made me immediately think of my family photos of new york um it was really evocative for me and i just thought it was so i think there's um there's a beauty to the black and white and there's also like this softness to it and i i don't know where i'm getting that vibe but it just you know it's kind of like a gentle New York, even though people are like riffing with one-liners, and there's just like um, a a love there, I guess, that I really yeah. felt in that whole scene. Yeah, it, yeah, they're, it's they're they're all moving images. She did say that she was inspired by Carrie Mae Weems too, who's a, a well well-known black uh, woman photographer. Um, I love Carrie Bay Weems's work too. I got a chance to kind of like study her a little bit in college as an undergrad. So again, mm-hmm. being being someone who loves photography, I, I've always liked um, Carrie May's work as well. And then Rada has said that she was also um, inspired by it too. So I think your I think that connection is probably because Rada is also um, very influenced by black photographers as well. So I think that's that's probably the vibe that you're getting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just it's I I, I don't know. I guess Netflix doesn't sell their films, right? Cuz I would love to own a copy of this film and maybe. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I can't, yeah. They better. I, th- <laughs> that's a great point though. I I hope yeah. I I don't 
That's not true because Stranger Things, for example, you can buy on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So okay, yeah, it, it might so be. There's hope. Oh yeah, because I'm definitely <laughs> buying this for sure. So yeah. um, let's talk about you had mentioned. I want to bring this up now. It's funny enough because you had mentioned Ooh. you made a really awesome point about how Rada her rapping really brings her brings out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it brings out who she is becoming, who she's always been, but who she is like mm-hmm. finally, finally becoming publicly. And the rap showcase. <laughs> <laughs> so my question, sorry, no, my question is: Was that stage fright, or was she too high to perform? I think she was too high. Yo, yo, Oh my! I was dying for her. She, oh my! Who was God. it? I think she was. Yeah. I think everyone is. Cause, oh, that was that was painful to watch. I think yeah, because all of her friends are there. Her 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 students are there, and let's talk about the students. How they get in? She. So they, so they, because you're right. Those her, her students love her, but then Rosa flashes herself to the bouncer to get. I, I, I swear these some these some some of these kids are, if 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 inappropriate, they're also very. Uh, what's the word? Ingenious, resourceful. Yeah, resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> they have the ingenuity to get what they to get what they want. But yeah, no, the showcase. So okay, she was too high because I was I was curious about that too, and that was like <laughs> it's funny because the poor woman is so humiliated. Like she's she humiliated to the point where she feels like she's in a corner. Like she thought hip hop or rapping was her breakthrough, and then she has a bad showcase and cries on Archie's shoulder, and then gives in and says, "Okay, I'll do the play with Whitman and." Again, when we talked about how, we talked about D, you know, he pretty much he just he doesn't even trip. He's just like you had a bad night, it you know, like it, mm-hmm. he just kind of brushed it off. Like it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do, which you know was so it was so charming and so lovely, and I just thought that was so human that he he was like, hey man, you know, shit happens, and and he kind of gives her a pass and. I mean, I'm sure he was like, what the hell is she doing? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, he was like, yeah, you got it. You had a bad night. You know, I just thought that was that was really lovely as well. This guy is just a he's a quiet man, but he's a, he's a total sweetheart. Yeah. It, it, even when we, we didn't even talk about like the real quick one when she does come back to the apartment because he does call her because it's just like he's also kind of like a man of his word. Like she. His currency is weed, so that's what he wanted. And then the first time she comes, they didn't record. And then she comes back because he asked her, and she's just like, you know, don't try to play me because I'm from Brooklyn too. And then, you know, she's just like, and do you think it's appropriate for a woman to be walking by herself to the train station at 2 a.m.? And he pretty much said, you know, no, it's not. He was like watching her the whole time to like actually make sure that she got to the train station safely. So. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's, he's, you're right. He's very quiet. It's, I, I, I kind of, I, I would, what's a man who's more vocal, obviously, but like, <laughs> but I do appreciate, but he's like, his love language is, is again, it's music. It's doing and not talking. And totally. That yeah. is, oh my, 
again, I'm not. We're not gonna have a therapy session, but let me can I tell you how much a woman, a straight woman, or a woman who is attracted to men can appreciate a man who does more than he says. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, you're right. Uh, so her, her, so her giving into this play, giving into like doing the play with Whitman. Can we let's let's I guess let's talk about Harlem Ave. We talked about it a little bit. Like we gave the general just what the general gist is, but what it became again. So we we talk we go through the phase because okay, here's my assumption and tell me what you think. So she takes the she takes the play and you know, she she does the revision. She she uses Jay's she does Jay's revisions and he's all Oh, I love the sassy black woman. Like all the stuff you would think that a white person would go gaga for, especially a white person like this guy in particular. Mm. Let me be fair. And then, but it's also, you know, she incorporates all of these newer characters and, you know, he wants a rack number from the kid. Like all, like all the BS, but also like, you know, her asking, you know, I think this, I think the play needs a black director and things like that. And, you know, Mm. and, you know, I feel like he did everything in spite. Like, especially, I think it's more than the choking incident, but I think the choking incident was the ammo for him to be so not slick with, like, you know, getting, she asks for a black director, she gets a white director. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. all of these little things that, that just don't go her way in regards to this play. And I think he did it, in, I, did, I think he did it to Spider. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You know, I didn't really think of it that way because i the oh my god that play what they did to it um it just reminded me of like you know when (laughs) you know when the like in the simpsons when like bart and lisa would have to go to an assembly and they would have those horrible like student assembly plays that's what it made me think (laughs) of the rap you know a really awful like whitewashed rap or it, it just was horrible but when you when you come at it from that angle, I can totally see him being, a, you know, just a little bit vindictive and saying, oh, you know, you want this play done? Well, you're going to do it my way because, you know, you crossed the line with me. So I can totally see him being spiteful for that and um, in that way. And and, you know, he's basically holding the purse strings. So he does what he wants. And that's another thing that you have to fight against when you're an artist and an artist of color and a black woman and a black female artist, <laughs> you know, um, do you have to fight against the, the people who have the money and you, when you want to keep your integrity and your vision? It's a little bit of that. It's, def- it's a little bit of that. And also again, him thinking he knows, cause it's, I, I'm of course we're bouncing around a lot as we do, but like, like how, when Rada was talking to D about, you know, the theater or plays, and he's just like, you know, I know a little bit of something you're assuming. And that's what, that's what Whitman does too. He assumes like, you know, that's when the white girl comes in and in the play, right? Like they, they bring in a white, they bring in this white woman. Um, Cause if you're going to talk about gentrification, then it should incorporate everyone who's a part of gentrification. And we need to reach the core audience and you need to have the core audience in the play in order to reach them. That's what he, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he kind of said. So that's why she incorporates this white girl who goes, 
what does a gal have to do to get some soy milk around here? I'm sorry I'm doing a generic voice, but that's kind of what the girl kind of sounds like. And I feel like she's really camping that out, too. <laughs> I know it's bad because yeah. they have the workshop. And then she that's the that's the other thing that kills me that she had to do. Like her 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 friend Stacy, who's playing who's playing um who's playing the wife. Like why she's like you know they're in the workshop and she's like why am I the only one talking like I can't put syllables together or consonants <laughs> and I'm again forgive me I'm mixing my words up but you know but y'all know what I'm talking about and then she's like yeah and then they're having they're having that awkward exchange where you know the white director goes well she's trying to get her she's she's upset to have and at odds with her husband because. The, soy, the stocking of the soy milk on the shelves conflict and she's like no I know what she I, I get I get what she's arguing about but why does she have to, what, what's the, with the language and then the white director of course she does that um, thing where she goes um well uh we should give that that should that's a question for the playwright and even Rada can't explain it because she, it's not again because like you said it's not her play anymore like it's it's not this is not her original concept this is not her idea this is you know, Whitman's idea or whomever. And, you know, and then it, at least the white girl, I'm sorry, at least the white woman there <laughs> was like, you know, honest about it because everyone's kind of like, kind of dancing over the subject of the fact that like, no, they want the black woman to be what Whitman thinks a black woman is. And that's why she's talking mm -hmm. like she's from the South and has, you know what I mean? Or like that, it's like she has kind of a, I think she has like a, a, an old school accent or a Southern yeah. accent to an extent. Like we got, we got to figure it out. We got, to, it's like, what is this? Like the plantation again? Like, <laughs> you know, like, <sighs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. He does that stuff. Yeah. The other thing we didn't mention, like that's what Rada had mentioned earlier um, before we meet uh, Whitman is just like, all he does is produce poverty porn plays. Like, and that's kind of mm -hmm. like, or it's, it has a, that has that. And I think Harlem Ab has that kind of twang to it. Then, and then the white woman there, she, the white woman who's, who's a new character at, in the workshop, she goes, Oh yeah, it's because you know, you, you we're, we're all talking a certain way because of race. I forget exactly what she said, but she's like, I think she says, because I'm whiter because you're black. I forget which one. And then the white mm -hmm. director goes, Nope. Nope, race has nothing to do with at, like th th that thing that happens sometimes when you're in these situations. Yes. And yes. the white, they want, they really want to avoid this conversation that's clearly about race. Um, so this movie again, it's it's fresh. You're frustrated for Rada. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, she she really wants to make it as a playwright, but she's compromising herself in in every aspect and it's just so painful to watch because you know she's not doing it blindly she you know she's it, it, it's it's hard for me to I guess put in words because you know you know you understand why she's doing it and you still feel so terrible for her because she's still making but she also is still making the decision to just do it because she feels so she's like I'm almost full it's like it, it's that it's what this movie is like you like you said earlier like it's like it's I'm almost 40. I have to do this. I have to be somebody. I have to, you know what I mean? Like she doesn't think yeah. that she's enough. Like you said, she has, she, she struggles with confidence. And I think a lot of us go through that. And I think, I think after my mom passed away, it was like, be 
fucking real. Like, st- let's start a dialogue about this. Let's start a dialogue about the uncomfortable, how we can't be uncomfortable with this stuff anymore, man. We can't be uncomfortable with grief. We can't be uncomfortable with feeling lonely and expressing that we feel lonely. We can't be uncomfortable mm-hmm. with feeling inse- being being insecure. Because mm-hmm. I think we're all insecure about different things. Some of us, some things overlap, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we need to be honest about it. And this film is being honest about it. Every cringe, every every cringe worthy, every cringe, everything awkward, all of it is in this film. And that's why I think people love it so much because it's relatable. I think if we we need to break down those we need to break down those brick walls that kind of keep us apart. Where we go around think, you know, telling the world that we're okay when we're not. And this film does that. And I think if we were more honest about it, like I feel like one of the things I want to do, and I don't know how and what shape, form, or fashion, but people who do lose a loved one that they were really close to and now they're essentially alone. That happens more often than not. And it's a shameful thing to feel like, you know, I have people who love me, but I'm still spending the holidays alone or I'm still doing certain things alone. And I feel like if we, if there's a community of, of like mind of like-minded people in similar situations who could like network with each other and feel like you know do you need me to come over do you need me to call you want to get on zoom do you want to you know take a walk together like uh, i think it's really important for people who are dealing with grief who've lost loved ones to have that community because the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself because i I know that's like a natural that's like it's a natural kind of like um response sometimes to certain these certain Mm -hmm. situations but i think it's really important to we got to come together. We got to be, we got to say, you know what? I feel lonely right now too. I was like, oh, me too. And the kind of have those situations. I think that, I think this movie really does a good job of breaking those walls. Like I just said, I just went on a tangent. I know, but I don't know if but, you feel you know, similar. It's true because people are so afraid of making themselves vulnerable. Um, for instance, I cry a lot. I, I cry a lot. Actually, I've been, not so bad lately because I'm I'm actually how can I put it I'm a free agent so I you know I'm I can basically make my own path instead of working for somebody else but like um I used to beat myself up because that when I get angry I cry when I get upset I cry and that's a vulnerability that people often don't like to see and um you know, my therapist was like, you know, I've been seeing her for like years. She's like, oh, this woman's amazing. But she said to me, like, you know what? You cry when you get upset. She's like, that's just who you are. She's like, at this point, you're going to have to accept that's just who you are. And I'm like, wow, because, you know, people always tell you don't cry, don't cry at work, this and that. But if that's how I express myself, you know, I can't suppress it. And I feel like, in the same way, Radha's suppressing who she is. And, you know, like after my mother died, uh, my da- my mother died first. She died when I was 28. And I was just recovering from an illness. So I was living at home. And then I didn't know what to do. And I, my mother worked an office job. And they, they underpaid her. And they treated her pretty badly. But she stayed there for years and years and years. And I just thought to myself, I'm not going out like that. So when I recovered enough, I actually went back to school and became a makeup artist because I really wanted to do something I enjoyed. Um, so I I did that. And that was just kind of coming to terms with 
seeing my mother kind of suppress herself. I mean, towards the end of her life, at least she ended up doing stuff she liked. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just don't like seeing, especially black women specifically, I don't like seeing us suppressing our true self. It really upsets me, you know, Um, because we always have to put up this front and it's really frustrating. So I like to, I love how the 40 year old version takes us through this progression where you see Rada really wants to blossom, but she also wants to prove that she's not, um, you know, a failure. And it's so difficult to work that balance. I went on a rant now, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree. I was going to say, um, don't feel, regardless, do not feel bad for being who you are. But also there's a comedian who, another comedian who I also love, Rosebud Baker, who always talks about like every time she gets angry she cries so you're not the only one who has the similar reaction <laughs> she talks about that a lot and I can totally see that with her but um that's I love that you said that it's a beautiful point like you know finding what you love and doing that later because you know D does crash one of the rehearsals or whatever and I don't I, <laughs> with the with the security guard who's like I'm gonna fuck you up in this hallway like he's like getting quiet he's like <laughs> but he, he he puts his he he goes to his ear, the dude's ear and I'm gonna fuck you up in this hallway but like so he go he's like he is so insistent on Rada pushing this music and I think to help boost her confidence and again to like give her to help to again to help bring that out of her to help her with that camaraderie and that community. He takes her to Queen of the Ring, which I believe is in the Bronx. And that is a real uh, event that goes on. It is, it is hosted by Babs Bunny. She, if for, for those who don't know, for those who are like me, who watched Making the Band, the, the season when they had like the hip hop group, like the band, and Babs was one of the um, female one of the, one of the female rappers that was chosen for that season. I think there was like it was like a back to back two season kind of a deal. But basically, that thing it was like it for it most famously known from the Chappelle show when Chappelle played Diddy and he had some of the he had Babs and like her other castmates from making the band doing that uh doing the skit for the Chappelle show it was really funny. But yeah, so that I so I read like you know that Babs is now doing this and that's kind of an event that she kind of puts on because even I remember from making the band Babs is one of the best um is really one of the best MCs so she so him picking her was probably one of the best choice because um she she's she's a good rap she's a good battle she's a good rap battleist like she's really mm-hmm. good at doing the battle she's she's a um I know I'm getting the terminology wrong forgive me because it's it's late y'all and I am always mixing up my words, but she, um, as far as being in a cipher and like free flowing, like she's probably, or improving, she's the best. She's one of the best. She's, she's really good. And so Queen of, so it was really cool to see Queen of the Ring. I love seeing um, battle rappers go at it. Apparently like all of the um, rappers that we saw, the female rappers that were on stage, all, all four of them are actually really good friends. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a, I think that's it's in the spirit of hip hop culture to like have these battles, to have rivalries, but to also be kind of cool. Like you know what I mean? It's that's mm-hmm. I, and I like that. And my favorite of um was the um woman from I believe where was she from? The Queens. The um her name was hold on, let me get her name. Misunderstood. 
She was my favorite um, rapper. Did you have a favorite rapper? Because <laughs> I was paying attention. <laughs> I just thought they were. I just thought they were so good. Because I, yeah, I'm. I'm an old lady, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not down with the new stuff. But I just thought it was so good. Like it was just right off the top of their heads. I always marvel at um, rap battles because I can barely put two words together. <laughs> Generally speaking, like just having a conversation. So to have that the the quick wittedness to come up with these raps, and I know obviously they probably prepare or whatever. You know, you have to kind of, you know, make something up off off the top of your head. But ah, the, uh, the just so the words are so powerful and so clever, and yeah, it was I was I just marveled at them. They're so good. They're so good. Yeah, I I'm always I like it's it's kind of like that movie um bodied I think that's what it's called let me double check to be oh sure. yes yeah I still have to see that it's I think yeah it was for a while it was kind of hard to get but um I love this movie <laughs> yo I'm I'm a sucker for a good battle rap um one of my uh one of our local rappers from Philadelphia Eve that's how she got on it was just like you know you mm. unfortunately if you're not if you're not a man and you're not black, you have to really earn your keep. Like you have to like, you have to show that you are worthy of being in a position of being a rap artist. And Eve was one of those people who, again, who could battle anyone. Like she could get into a cypher and just body any of the, any of those dudes. And so that's really how, that's how she got the notoriety that she got when she was first starting. And um, similar with these, similar with these women, um, I, I I love wordplay, so I'm always looking for how you're cleverly rhyming things. Um, I'm not a rhymer at all. I do have some friends who are who are really who are really decent rappers. Um, I'm not one of them, obviously. Um, especially if I was to do it like off the cuff, Mm-mm, that's never happening. So, but as a writer and as a person who loves words, I do like when you can like you can come through and like cut someone deep and like, you know, it's kind of like a roast battle. Comedians do roast battles. It's a, it's a similar situation. It's just, but they use jokes instead of rhymes. That's the only difference. So I watch roast battles too. I think you can, if if you got, if you guys got Pluto and you want to watch the comedy, they have a comedy channel and sometimes they'll show roast battles like old, like older ones. And like Yamanika that we've mentioned has been on there. Rosebud has been on there. They, they're so fun to watch because these people are actually really friends with the people that they're roasting. So they know a lot about them and they'll go in and it's just like, God darn, y'all are mean. But it's, it's all in the spirit of like comedy and of like, you know, getting those jabs in. So, but in a, but in a way that's not tasteless, that, that it's actually funny. Um, but it, it's, it's all they it's all love so and i think and i really kind of like that queen of the ring kind of has a similar um vibe to it as well and so and i think that and again that was something that was really nice that d did for rada like to kind of like again he's gosh you you've already said everything about d that needs to be said it's that's this is the kind of guy he is his love language is to show you (laughs) um yeah to, to put that spark in your eye can I just say that when he was, I know he was threatening an old man, but that was, I'm sorry, the way he was threatening him was kind of hot. <laughs> he was really hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was just like, whoo. 
he's serious. He's going in for her, you know? Like, he's going in. He wants his woman. And and he's kind of already claimed her, right? I mean, I, mean, I don't... Not, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not sure if I'd use those words, but I think it's just... He yeah. just... He, he has... I don't like. I don't think he likes anyone telling him what to do. No, true. Like he's that dude. I mean, he's clearly. I, I'm going to assume that he makes his money off of like making beats. He's probably a ghost producer for. He's he lives in New York City. He's probably a ghost producer for so many people. So he probably makes a relatively decent living doing what he does. So no one has really told him what to do for probably a very very long time. And true. And he's now in this, he's, this is probably Manhattan, I'm assuming, that they're in with doing this workshop. And you got this guy who's trying to stop him from, like, I'm coming to see Rada. I, you know, I'm like, can, you want to you, you do these, you want to do this, you want to do this music or not? And so, and this white guy's in my way and I will fuck you up in this hallway. Like, and so <laughs> that's kind of how, that's what's going on. So yeah. That's how I feel about it. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't, I just. I, I think that sometimes people express how they feel before they know how they feel. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's that, but I think he's probably already like, he's got his, basically his um blinders on for her and, you know, he's, and it's true. He, maybe he, he's just in the fact that he, this man's in his way, getting in his way and he, knows that Rada has talent maybe just it's on talent base and he wants to get her back in the studio yeah and he's like not wasting my time stop messing around let's just get this going but also hot so. <laughs> no that's true that's a good point and Oswin Benjamin who plays D I believe he actually is um an artist and a producer I believe and also he's not a he's not an actor so oh he's not he was great yeah he's really good but he's not a, he's not a, he's not a trained actor or probably would even consider himself an actor she found someone um and i think um i think one of the reasons she did that and we're going to in the show notes um post a few interviews that she has done to get so you guys can get a gist of like the cosigns i'm saying here but she felt it would be it would it, she would work really great off of someone who's also not an actor as well um mm -hmm. because they're both kind of coming in as novices rada doesn't want to act but she put herself in this kind of vulnerable position of acting in her own film because it is a movie about her she's playing she's essentially playing mm -hmm. herself so yeah he's he's um he's out here uh more with the music than the acting so yeah he was he was fantastic i, I really liked him too uh, we didn't talk about we did talk a whole lot about a, a lot about Archie and I kind of wanted to bring him up because uh, they, I they do <laughs> yeah because they do have this um they do have kind of a fight they have kind of um a fight that was kind of a long time coming because mm -hmm. and, and she and she kind of ignites the fight because she's so frustrated with the play because I think so jump in because if I felt like you know Archie pushed her to push this play on Jay Whitman. Jay Whitman does this complete 360 of what she originally wanted this play to be and be about. 
And now she kind of feels mm-hmm. stuck and is like, I blame you, Archie, because you put me in this position and now I have to like face this play that's not even mine anymore that I don't even like that, you know, all, all these emotions are starting to bubble to the surface. And it gets to the point where she's like kind of calling him a sellout. So, well, yeah, they both kind of sold out because mm-hmm. he jiggled some balls to get her back in there. <laughs> I just I was dying to say that. Sorry, I was just waiting for this moment. Um, but yeah, he had, to, he had to jiggle some some you know balls, and it's he. I don't know if he wanted her to succeed, if he wanted himself to succeed, but you know he he loves her. Uh, they're they've been best friends for since forever. But yeah, they're just at odds because he wants her to kind of quote unquote grow up, and. He and she is resistant to that. And I, you know, and I and I use the that term growing up and it's like, but what is that anymore? Like, what is that anymore? You most people can't afford a house. And I, you know, it's funny. Toronto's uh, real estate um, market is, quote unquote, booming. <laughs> and I don't know anybody who can buy a house in Toronto proper. People I know are buying houses outside of Toronto because it's so expensive. But anyway, you know, you don't have the the marriage, the kids, the house. It's not a typical thing. So when he is kind of trying to get her to conform, it's kind of sucks because, I mean, he himself is not a conformist in a way because mm-hmm. he's gay. He's Asian. Um his best friend is a black woman. He's nonconformist. So it's kind of ironic that he wants her to, you know, just do what he wants her to do. I don't know. I think that's my take. But I love their friendship. Yeah. Yeah, their friendship is great because, yeah, I mean, she, you know, he he has a, a, a specific kind of lifestyle that, you know, he likes that, that, you know, she questions that removes him from his Korean heritage, you know, arguably like that's kind of her loose words without saying the words and then you know he's just like well you're just mad because you're the one who sold out your play because at the end of the day she's making these decisions Archie Mm -hmm. can facilitate and can nudge and and wink and you know poke but you're an adult you can he, he, he you can make your own decisions and you decided that you wanted to do this play and you knew that you you knew I know Rada knew the consequences was good, that were going to come up working with Whitman. So I think that's what it was. But, you know, you're right. The, their friendship is fantastic because they could have that blow up and then mend it by saying, you're fired and I quit at the same time. Because they knew they got to a point where it's just like, we can't work together anymore. For the sake of our friendship, this needs to end because, you know, their paths professionally aren't crossing. They're different. They're they're on a they're on they're on a different mm-hmm. um, wavelength, and so and they both recognize that at the same time. So I think that was fantastic, and I think that was great. And even when Archie calls her the night of the play, he's just like you know wanting to just wanting to bury the hatchet because their friendship is their relationship with each other is bigger than this play. It really is. Yeah, I I yeah really you can really see that where. I mean, they're even making ridiculous jokes, you know, <laughs> she's at his place. And he's just, they're just making just these dumb jokes that you know best friends are, are going to make, you know, stupid jokes. 
and um you can see that closeness and and it really is their friendship is really just this entity other outside of this professional life where you know there's this tug of war so yeah i think that was a really great moment where you know that the whole professional relationship has to end and and it it was just so good because they both knew it and yeah oh and then you know i actually um when i saw this movie first i hadn't gotten my hair cut um in a while <laughs> and so finally when they kind of lightened up on the the lockdown I went to get my haircut and I was very inspired by Rada's hair. I'm just going <laughs> to say when she slicked it down, I'm like, I want my hair that short again. I'm going and I got it buzzed and I'm actually really happy I did because now we have stricter um, rules and I can't get my hair cut for a while. So <laughs> hats off to her for inspiring me again. <laughs> yeah, because um, Dee brought that up when they were... Um... When they were kind of lying in bed together, and he's just like, "Why do you wear? Why do you always wear the um the scarf over her head?" And she doesn't really answer. Again, I think that goes back to what you were kind of talking about. It's kind of, it's kind of one her shield, one of the walls that she kind of keeps yeah. up, like she keeps herself. And then she she finally takes it off when she does decide to go to the play. Funny enough, she does that thing that a lot of us as artists do, where we don't want to actually see our work. It's double. There's more weight to that now because this is a play that she doesn't even recognize as hers anymore. So there's that that's going mm -hmm. on. So she doesn't even go into the theater or anything like that. So the kids, so the kids go, and again, there's another scene with them um, wrestling with the um, person who's trying to, who's like, you know, trying to stop them from getting in. <laughs> they do, they do that thing that kids do. They have no filter. They think, you know, what? I just had some time to just come down here and harass some white lady. Like, like, and then Rosa, Rosa's all, you know, do I need to show you my tits? Like, you know, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, so everyone's there, her brother's there, um, you know, Archie, everyone. And of course you see the reactions of the, the white people in the crowd are just losing their minds. Cause this is just such a wonder it's like, it's, 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 it's such a poverty porn. Yeah. It's, it, they're, they're these, they're these like uh thirsty spectators of this thing that yes. speaks to them and it doesn't speak to who Rada intended intended the film to speak to and um of course Forrest we mentioned that before his oh lord I love his reaction <laughs> and, and the fan oh, <laughs> like, oh cuz it cuz the play folks it really was bad um there's it was really bad. I mean, the 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 hip hop number alone, Terrible. and then the kids are are having a good time because because Rose is like, "Yo, is that supposed to be me?" Like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I have to think. Sorry, I have to jump in and say I just thought it was really sweet because her brother came and he's just sitting there like, "Oh, this is my sister's play," and he's so excited for her. I just thought the shots of him it was really sweet. Like, I just thought that was because you don't really see their relationship until much later in the film and you think maybe they're at odds with each other because of all the phone mm -hmm. messages but you, you can see how much they care about each other and I have to say also he looks like a British uh, drum and bass DJ Goldie <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows him. but I'm like holy shit that guy looks like Goldie and anyway that's just an aside but yeah I just thought that was really sweet to see that all the different reactions in the audience no yeah you're right no I loved you that's a really great point I mean I think this is the, the last time I just watched it is the first time I really noticed that her brother's there and having a good time and really there to support her and I do love that dynamic again mm -hmm. I uh, sometimes I long for that like I 
don't get me wrong, I love my brothers, but like they they are just not we don't have that dynamic unfortunately. I think especially as we're gotten older as adults. I think we we still love each other. Don't get me wrong. But like that kind of camaraderie that just that just it does not exist. Um so I again, I just I love I loved seeing that. I just I think I just love when I see families love each other, especially black families, just love each other and be there for each other. Um, so yeah, that was great. And yeah, and so I, I guess, yeah, cause the, okay, I do want to mention another funny part of the film. It was, it was like the last, this was apparently the last scene in the play where uh, Stacy, her, her friend, who's playing the character, I forget what the character's name, in the play, and then the white woman in the play <laughs> I can't remember. It was too good, but I cannot remember exactly what was said. But it was bad. It was just like when they go, "Are we sisters?" Something like that. No hands. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I mean, that was. Oh, people that hurt. Yeah, people who have seen this will understand the context of of that of of what you just said. But I can't. I can't. I you can't. It's like you almost can't put it in words how terrible and how loaded that is and on every level, racial, everything. And that's and that's my, that was the fun that's when I really started cracking up laughing because they cut straight to Forrest and that's when he breaks out his fan and he just looks he just <laughs> leans back and just goes, I cannot believe he does that. So and yeah, that's all. It's like an after-school special ending. <laughs> it's like, oh, mm-hmm. God. it really is. It really is, and it's so antiquated and bad. And so that's when how it ends, and everyone gives the standing O. And again, it's like it, it's kind of weird because, like, if you're, <laughs> I don't know, if I'm her brother or anyone else, um, in the crowd, and like the producer and the director come on stage, and there are these two older white people i'm just like what like you know mm-hmm. i mean if you if, i guess if you had seen the play you would say okay this is this doesn't surprise me but then you know rada does eventually come um into the theater and comes on stage and i think again going back to the overarching one of the biggest overarching themes what really hit me in the gut like i literally had to like rewind it again just so i can get the line verbatim mm-hmm. she said this she said when she goes on stage she said my mother raised me to be fearless. And I guess when she died, that's when I started getting afraid. Mm, yeah, that's pretty deep. And so very relatable because mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I, what I had to realize, and it took 37 years. I just turned 38. Like I said, it took me 37 years to realize she was my shield. Mm-hmm. I used her as a crutch for everything, for all of my shortcomings. I could hide behind her because she would protect me. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally. Because mm-hmm. she she spent a lot. She spent she spent a sufficient amount of time writing her wrongs, especially when it came to me mm-hmm. and raising me mm-hmm. and the decisions she made. And I just kind of like a part of our relationship was me like hiding behind her. Like I don't, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to, I don't want to have to, because we had this conversation um, mm-hmm. via DM uh, maybe a couple of days ago. Like I didn't want to have to, like there are things I wanted in life, 
but I didn't understand. I wasn't willing to do it because I always had my mother to de- to depend on. Right. And when she was gone, all of a sudden, I was afraid. It was like if I felt exposed. It was like being. It was like the in the land before time when Littlefoot. I think then his mom died. Somebody wrote a really great article about like a land before time and those and the the man who I think wrote those films and stuff like that put those films together and how there's this deep grief and melancholy in these what are supposed to be children's like films and stuff like that. It's like the, it's like you know the same aesthetic and the ambiance, but the themes are also the same too. Mm-hmm. And that's what it kind of feels like. It kind of feels like when the mother kind of like either leaves the nest or kind of like or the mommy bird or whatever or like or the mommy animal in whatever capacity kind of like nudges the young. I'm like, okay, you gotta go. Like that's what it feels like. And you're like, and you're as as the cub. No matter how old you are, you're like, no, I don't want you to go. I don't. I don't want. I want to stay with you. And sometimes when you're kind of pushed into these situations for whatever cosmic reason, it's just like you have you you do have a season in your life where you really f- do feel afraid because you don't you feel like you've lost your right arm essentially you feel like you've lost what would be pr- what would protect you and then you kind of and then you find some of us are able to find some sort of strength to kind of just. To, to move to continue on and to do things that we never we, we thought we could do if this person was still around mm-hmm. um and that's a harsh that's a hard reality not harsh but it's a hard reality to kind of come to terms to for some of us because i was one of those people and i think rada that line i think is really fitting because again in interviews she's kind of said like my mother was my cheerleader she was my best friend we did everything together we watched movies together we had the same birthday they actually really do Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I so again I think the icing on the cake for me again in that solidarity in that kind of community is kind of hearing this woman talk about her grief and her relationship with her mother and it almost mirrors mine to a T yes yeah there's so many similarities with uh, you and and your mom and her and, and her mother in this in in I guess real life and in the film that it's very it's really uncanny, isn't it? Because yeah, it's and I think I don't know I think that's why this film is so special because um, it's raw, you know, and it's real, and she's pulling on her real experience and. I, again, I don't think people do that enough. I mean, she's really displaying her pain in an artistic way, but it's still out there for the world to either accept or reject, right? And that is one hell of a brave thing to do. It really is. It's it, I, it's astronomically brave, and again, it's you know, she doesn't, you know, she considers herself kind of a lazy activist, but she also recognizes that sometimes the work we do and being who you are can be an inspiration to other people in a, in a whole lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this film ultimately does. Um, you know, even her rhyming, like she just, she's, she's multi-talented, obviously. And um, I just hope she continues to, to do work because she's so, she's, <laughs> She's uh, yeah. I mean, having that art, having that artist spirit, and kind of like having different dipping and dipping your hands into different ways you can be an artist has really benefit has really benefited her. Like all all of her life experiences have kind of come 
to this particular moment, this 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 one milestone in her life, and I think it's um it's really fabulous how it came out and how it is resonating with not just us too, but other people too who who've talked about it. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. Um, I do think it's interesting that the movie kind of changes the color at the end, like at literally at the last what few minutes. You kind of see a seconds. I would even say that you do see the transition of color because she does, in in her own way, when she turns into Rodimus Prime on stage after she says that one line, mm-hmm. and pretty much tells those uh, white pe- white gatekeepers to kiss her ass. She mm-hmm. goes to see Deep because I think she is finally ready to like you know really embrace this part of her life, this this um this section. And I also I have to say as she left the theaters. Uh, and the people in the in the in the uh, in on in the audience stunned. Mm-hmm. The kids cheered. Yeah, and clapped. They did. Yes, <laughs> they were so awesome. Like they, I'm honestly, they were from beginning. They were her biggest cheerleaders. You know, like those kids are. They're amazing. And you know, I just it just came to me. She was having her own Sex in the City moment where you know she kind of she kind of pulled um like a Carrie, a Carrie Bradford with her tooled skirt and her own style. And I just, I loved what she wore to the, the play, the, the play mm-hmm. premiere. I love which, cause it's her, it's her own style. She sh- finally does her hair and I don't know. I just loved it. And it just made me, it's a very New York moment. The end of the film to me, I guess because I romanticize it so much. <laughs> but to me like she you know she ends up with d he buys her some funyuns <laughs> which is a callback to earlier when she bought yes. funyuns going home from his house yeah and i just thought oh my god i love it and then instead of the big you know blockbuster movie kiss they're just strolling down the street and he gives her a beat and they start she starts rapping and it's like that's such a perfect ending i just think it's perfect yeah, romanticizing about uh, New York, and she's rapping about a rat. See, yeah. that's when you lose me. <laughs> oh yes, of I, course. I, <laughs> as much as much time as I spent in New York City, I am stunned. I've never seen a rat. I've never really? seen a rat. Oh, never. I saw one in London. Oh, in London. They were big, man. They, I, I was like, "What is that?" It was in the tube, and it was huge. And my friend's like, "Carolyn, that's a rat," and I'm like, "What?" like my first hour in london it was like it was huge. wow i didn't see one when i was in london yeah. i was in london for about two weeks i didn't see a rat and i took the tube a lot I, that's what that yeah. was like my only mode of transportation honestly but like the only time i've seen a rat is when i was in new orleans really and i was just like yeah i'm good <laughs> i i i just i don't i do not do rodents in any capacity like I know some people aren't afraid of them. Like I, I, I need to get me a man who is not afraid of who's not afraid of rodents. Like I yeah. that that's tantamount. Mark will build a little house if he has a mouse, honestly, because his cat has no teeth and she'll be like, Oh, there's a mouse and he's so one time she did catch a my mouse and um he's like, Drop it and then he took it and put it outside. Oh he's like He's like, um, yeah, he's very, doesn't want the m- mice hurt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you would not be good with I don't that. care if I get a guy like that, as long as they're not in my house. Like, just get it out of my yeah. house. <laughs> see, cr- see, seal every crack yeah. and crevice in this old ass house so I don't have to ever see one in here. 
and lay down all the peppermint oil you can find in the region. I'm not doing rodents ever. All right. So this is, and on that note, yeah, like let's, yeah. So if you're if you're in, if you're in New York, you are probably going to see a rat. I I can't. Ew. I no. I don't. Mm-mm. All this to say is that the 40 year old version is one of the best films of 2020, if not the best film of 2020. It is. It was the boost that a lot of us needed. It really was. It, it's a brilliant film, and as you said, I want I want more from her. And please keep writing, Rada, and give us more of your amazingness. But that all that to say, Carolyn, what do you want for twenty twenty one? Oh, geez. Um, I don't. You know what? Uh, I think I just want like I don't know, man. I think I just want to be my own boss. I'm just tired of working for the man, to be honest. I'm really tired of working for the man. And I just want, like, I think I want to be my own boss. I want to see my friends flourish. Because that really makes me happy when I see my friends doing well. Um, Yeah, and just everyone to be happy and healthy, I guess. And my goddamn cats to get along. (laughs) I've had enough of this shit. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. How about you? Um, I want to continue to get better on the inside. Do all that work and um become. I want to be better emotionally than I am. Ne- like this next year, I want to be better emotionally. And I again, I had some really um awesome breakthroughs this year. Um, and this is not better for me necessarily, but better for other people. I know that sounds hokey for a lot of people, but these are the kind of deeper revelations I've come into and kind of understanding. After you lose a loved one that you love so much, especially in the way that you, the relationship that you have with that loved one, you really start to reevaluate a lot of things. Like even, even Rada talking about contemplating suicide, been there. Because you really don't know which way is up when you lose a, when you lose a particular loved one, it it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I want to continue to get healthier, and I want to live my I want to live in my purpose. Um, I okay. definitely I I I co-sign you one hundred percent on wanting to see, you know, the people that you do care about do well, and the people that you don't particularly care for to kind of stay away. Um, you know. <laughs> To keep to keep to keep to keep you know certain energies out of your orbit that aren't necessary and aren't needed. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't pretend to know or understand what is going on in the world. I never will. Um, but I just want us to be the people that make the good decisions and to s- stay as positive as humanly possible, regardless of what's happening. I know I'm getting too yeah. deep, but this is no. This is how my brain is. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, this, 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 this is where I am right now. This is I'm. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's end this, I please. A, I think that's a great place to end. I think you've said it all, and yeah. So happiness and health to everybody in the new year. You can only change you. You can't change anyone else. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Words to live by.
Jeez. Oh, jeez. I'm so Canadian. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, you are. Because you're. Because every time you say you're, you were born in New York, I think to myself, what would she be like if she lived, if oh. she was raised in New York City? It would sound so different. I probably would. I'd be punching people in the face a lot more, I think. No, I think you, no, you'd still be who you are. You would just have a different accent. Yeah, probably. That's all. I don't yeah. know if it would be Brooklyn or the Bronx or Manhattan. Brooklyn, Flatbush. Oh, that's where you're, okay, you're from, oh gosh, you would really sound, yeah. you would have a draw. You would have a such yeah. a um, New York draw. Um, yeah. Because we're different. Like, I sound, I, I sound like a Pennsylvanian black girl who was raised in the whack suburbs. Like, I, I, that's what yeah. I sound like. I don't like my accent, but this is what it is. Um, I love it. Sorry. Mm-mm. No, I don't. <laughs> Are we rambling? Should we just wrap this up? <laughs> no, we should just wrap this up. Uh, Carolyn, or, right. or do you have any? Are you doing anything fun on the internet that people should know about? Um, where can people find you? I'm not doing anything. I'm just uh, letting my brain shut down for the holidays. So, but you can find me at uh, VFD Pixie on uh, the Twitter. And Ashley, where can people find you? I'm at Ashley Takes Note and. We've got some fun stuff coming up for the new year for this podcast. We have some idea stirring, some new um, concepts and ideas that we're going to be playing with. And we feel like this episode, we're ending really strong. And this is a taste of more to come. It's going to be more refined. And we're going to do all the fun stuff for the people who are, or who are actually listening. We appreciate y'all. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Because it's 1041 p.m. <laughs> And see you.